0: So we have to face it, and then we confess it, and then we forsake it. We leave it behind, and then God is faithful and just to cleanse us.
1: Welcome to Mothering from the Heart, a program that seeks to reach out and encourage women in the everyday moments of life. Your teacher is pastor's wife, mother, and grandmother, Audrey Brogy. Today, Audrey continues her series entitled, Shelter of Shade from the book of Isaiah. In this study, we see many parallels in today's day and in Isaiah's day. Our culture tells us to elevate ourselves, to gain as many likes and followers as possible, when in reality, our lives ought to point to God.
0: There was a woman who was talking to me recently about, she, po- she posted some pictures of herself on social media that were inappropriate. She's feeling really guilty about it. And she said her husband just was really angry over it. And I said to her, and she took it down, but I said to her, why did you do it? She said, I don't know. I said, you know why you did it. Because you wanted validation. You wanted, some, you wanted the world out there to see, to see you, you. These inappropriate photos because you wanted validation. I didn't say it mean. <laughs> but I said, you know why you did it. You did it, and she's just like, yes, that is why I did it. You wanted other people to say these awesome things about you that should just be reserved for your husband. That's why your husband was angry, because you belong to him. You're not supposed to be doing that. At least you have a godly husband who will get angry over it. You know, some men don't get angry over that. In fact, they push their wives to do it because they're the kinds of men who want to, to, to be lewd and, and show their wives off in an inappropriate way or their daughters. I mean, mothers do this with their own daughters. Maybe they don't have what needs, you know, and their estimation can be showed off in the same way, but look at my daughter. My daughter is this way. My daughter looks hot. My daughter... I mean, this is women doing this kind of stuff. And we see it all over social media. It's the new way to get worshipers and to show our stuff. And it's not just in terms of the the inappropriate photos, but it's like a place to show off your life. Verse 28 Moreover, you played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. You even played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. God is saying that dissatisfaction leads to immorality, but immorality never satisfies. I mean, women, we will try anything to satisfy ourselves. I mean, we want to be happy. So we'll try, you know, things to dull the pain. We'll try, you know, to put ourselves out there. And remember, it was the dissatisfaction with God's design for a woman that got Eve in trouble. It was her dissatisfaction with what God had said in the garden that got her in trouble. And you think back, even the sexual revolution of the 60s. And for some reason, American women bought the idea that it would be great to just be immoral, to, to just go out there and have intimacy with, with anyone, whoever you felt like and whoever you thought was cute. And then if you, you know, you have birth control pills and abortion, so you can cover that up with whomever you want, wherever you want, women deciding to pursue promiscuity, with reckless abandonment. And of course, that's where we're seeing, like, we're, we're just living in days of it now. People don't even think twice about it. You know, I entered college in the late 70s, and I remember, you know, walking into this all-girls dorm, and wow, things have so changed with dorms now. But my first roommate was a lesbian, and the straight girls on the hall thought it was great fun to plaster photos of nude men on the bathroom walls next to the mirrors in the stalls wherever. It was an all-freshman dorm, a freshman girls dorm. And sometimes I think back on that and I just think, was this just every girl who just like got out of the confines of their homes and the rules and they just went there and just decided I'm gonna just gonna let loose and do whatever I want because I don't have any accountability. I don't know. Some of these girls would gather in one of the girls' rooms after partying at the bars and share all kinds of stories and jokes. Some girls bragged about how many partners they had or how many they wanted, and it didn't matter who the guys were. They were looking for something lasting Sounds like the next verse in Ezekiel, verse 29. You also multiplied your harlotry with the land of merchants, Chaldea. Yet even with this, you were not satisfied. And so the next, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but that's the next characteristic, never satisfied. And that's the way sin is. The more you engage in it, the less satisfied you are. You always come up empty. Verse 30, how languishing is your heart, declares the Lord God, while you do all these things, the actions of a bold-faced harlot. That's what God says about it. Now God's making a turn. He's comparing them to harlots, prostitutes, but there's one difference that he cites in verse 31. Listen to this. When you build your shrine at the beginning of every street and made your high place in every square in disdaining money, you are not like a harlot. You adulterous wife who takes strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all harlots, but you give your gifts to all your lovers to bribe them to come to you from every direction for your harlotries. Thus you are different from those women in your harlotries in that no one plays the harlot as you do because you give money and no money is given to you. Thus you are different. Do you hear what he's saying there? He's pointing out how far the immorality has gone. See, he's saying harlots get paid. Prostitutes get paid. They sin because they want the money. But here God is saying that his people, his women, they sin for the sake of sin. They're not getting paid for it. They just take strangers. I mean, think about our nation. What just goes on in the bars, the local bars, the pickup, the hookups. There's no money involved. We're just hooking up and who cares and men are, uh, women are just as guilty. So the next characteristic is sin for the sake of sin. Now God issues another searing indictment. Verse 35, therefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lewdness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered through your harlotries with your lovers and with all your detestable idols and because of the blood of your sons which you gave to idols, therefore, behold, I shall gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, even all those whom you loved and all those whom you hated. So I shall gather. Gather them against you from every direction and expose your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. God's judging his women. Verse 38, thus I shall judge you like women who commit adultery or shed blood are judged, and I shall bring on you the blood of wrath and jealousy. I shall also give you to the hands of your lovers, and they will tear down your shrines and demolish your high places, strip you of your clothing, take away your jewels, and will leave you naked and bare. I mean, here God's saying, he's saying so much to the women. I mean, he's saying that his judgment is pictured in that the women who give herself to immorality unashamedly to lovers, who strips and entices men, will eventually be stripped in shame. I mean, how many immoral women are held up in glory as they age? As they get into their older years? Do the men who use these women want them anymore? Or are they held up just to make fun of at that time? And listen, for the nation Israel, God used the very nations with whom she made treaties with as agents to punish her. They rose up against her and took her into captivity. That was God's judgment. Not because he hated his people but because he loved them and wanted them to turn back to him. God continues with his judgment in verse 40. They will incite a crowd against you, and they will stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords, and they will burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women. Then I shall stop you from playing the harlot, and you will also no longer pay your lovers. So I shall calm my fury against you, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I shall be passed And angry no more because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me by all these things. Behold, I in turn will bring your conduct down on your own head, declares the Lord God, so that you will not commit this lewdness on top of all your other abominations. What we're seeing is God's heart here, He doesn't want them to continue in their sin. So he keeps turning up the heat, and he's telling them in living color. I mean, whoa, it's so hard to hear what God is saying there to his women. This is what you've done. He's saying it to the nation. He's saying it to the women. This is what you've done, but I don't want you to do this. I see it all. I see what you've done. I mean, we think we can hide things from our husbands or our children or our friends or our parents, but God sees it all, and he sees it all in its vulgarity. He sees all of it, but God doesn't want that. He says, so that you will not commit this lewdness on top of all your abominations. He keeps turning up the heat. And there's another characteristic. Women will hate their husbands and children. Verse 44. Behold, everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb concerning you. Saying, like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother. You are the daughter of your mother. I mean, we talked a little bit last time about the the daughter who was like her mother. And that she asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter. (laughs) But y'all... If you have a teenage daughter, and if she's playing the harlot, so to speak, in her dress, in her speech, in her actions, or in her conduct, you need to examine your own heart. We need to examine our own hearts, like mother, like daughter. I mean, what do you want your daughter to be like? <laughs> examine yourself. You may be hiding it, you may be hiding it, but it will come out in your daughter. But this mother, God says she loathed her husband and children. This is exactly what God says will happen. Listen, verse 47. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations, but as if that were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your conduct than they. And I mean, you know, you think about it just for a second. You know, sometimes the next generation sins are worse than the previous generation sins because of the spiral you know, sins of daughters are worse than their mothers sometimes because of the spiral. Now, we also know the opposite of that. You know, like parents were you know lived in their immorality or whatever, and then a daughter or son comes to know the Lord, and everything changes, and they start a new cycle because God saves them, and they want to live in holiness. But generally speaking, I mean, just think of just generally speaking in our America where we used to be, in terms of what we thought was shameful, what we, you know, you couldn't cuss on TV, just all those things, what, what we, you know, we had a sense of modesty. We had a sense of propriety. We had a sense of protecting our children. There was a, a, a cultural sense of knowing good and evil, But then little by little, it's just chipped away. And you say, oh, this is okay. And you know, people always, you know, now today, even in Christian circles, people make fun of the slippery slope. Oh, yeah, the slippery slope. But slippery slope is real. It starts, you know, with little things that we get used to that we say are okay. And then little by little, you know, you see setting the stage for what happened in the 60s, little by little, things were eroding morally and culturally, and even in the church, the church kind of goes to sleep. Then in the 60s, you see this mass, you know, hippie movement, and you see free love, and you see that becoming a cultural, culturally accepted, and you see that giving away and chipping away to, yes, abortion is legal in every circumstance, chipping away, chipping away, continual chipping away, and then you see, like I think about even as I mentioned a minute ago, what was going on in my dorm in the 70s, late 70s, and then what's going on today. And, and now it's like everything that if you, come, if you say that something's wrong, you're laughed at and you're seen as crazy. That's how it's become. It's just generally speaking, it's just worse and worse and worse. The spiral that's downward keeps spiraling faster and faster and faster. I mean, you just think for a second, five years ago and where we are today. hating husbands and children, hating the home. This has been the sin of God's women. It's one of the many sins of God's women. Christian women will say they don't hate their husbands, yet they constantly belittle and nag him, picking them apart, looking for all his faults and holding his faults against him and snapping at him and demeaning him and getting together with her girlfriends and saying all kinds of things about him. That she would be livid if he got together with his guy friends and said those things about her. So they say they don't hate their husbands, but it shows up. Say they don't hate their children in their homes, but they just want to get away from it. And they're always talking about how awful it is and how it's just the worst thing ever. Verse 48, as I live, declares the Lord God, Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Again, he's talking about proud women. They have lots of food. They don't even have to cook. Free time. And even, and even in that free time, we're selfish. Verse 50, thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Because remember, he sees it. Furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, for you have multiplied your abominations more than they. Thus you have made your sisters appear righteous by all your abominations which you have committed. Also bear your disgrace in that you have made judgment favorable for your sisters because of your sins in which you acted more abominably than they, they are more in the right than you. Yes, be also ashamed and bear your disgrace in that you made your sisters appear righteous righteous. Now, before we go to part three in Ezekiel, I want to skip ahead to the part on your handout that says back to Isaiah, because while we're dealing with the judgment of God, I want you to see the judgment in Isaiah. So God shows us here, as he did in Ezekiel, that he will judge his women. So he removes her beauty. Verse 17. Therefore, the Lord will afflict the scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare in that day the lord will take away the beauty of their anklets headbands crescent ornaments dangling earrings bracelets veils headdresses ankle chains sashes perfume boxes amulets finger rings nose rings festival festal robes outer tunics cloaks money purses hand mirrors undergarments turbans and veils i mean l- listen to this list how long it is and it's no accident that isaiah is talking about all of this he's pointing out how vain these women are he's giving this long long, long, long list of all the ways they doll themselves up. Verse 24, now it it will come about that instead of sweet perfume, there will be putrefaction. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, a plucked out scalp. Instead of fine clothes, a donning of sackcloth and branding instead of beauty. And he brings shame and humiliation on them. Your men will fall by the sword and your mighty ones in battle and her gates will lament and mourn and deserted she will sit on the ground. So God's showing us another picture here. He's showing what will happen. He's showing how his judgment comes to fruition. And think about our day, just even in this part that I just read, when your men will fall by the sword, your mighty ones in battle and her gates will lament and mourn and deserted she will sit on the ground. Women are deserted today. Our men are falling by the sword. God, God is talking here about how we lose our men in battle and war. It's God's judgment. And the way women live at home affects our men who are in combat, our men who are deployed, or, or it affects the way our men who are gone, who are serving our country. We're losing our men. A lot of them are falling. We're losing good men. And there's another kind of war, war for the hearts and souls of women. The very women the men are supposed to protect so often are the reason in a national sense so many men are deserting them. In the mass abandonment of women from the home, that's a desertion. Who did they leave behind? Now think about it, y'all. Who did they leave behind? Not just the daughters whom they're supposed to be teaching and training and encouraging and building up, but they left their sons, sons who would grow up to be men. Have you ever thought about just practically speaking that the way a woman nurtures and trains her son the way she protects and loves him in his growing up years has a direct effect on his leadership and his dealings with women in his later years. I mean, this is the truth of Scripture. I mean, we've had women deserting their own children in record numbers and not so much literally deserting them. You know, they provide, you know, food, clothing, shelter, But is it no wonder we have men deserting their children and women in the day in record numbers? Listen, I know men have their own sins, but I don't teach men. God's speaking to us. This is part of the judgment of God. He takes away our good men. When women go bad, when women turn to immorality, we end up being deserted. And it's so bad in that day that, in verse In chapter four, verse one, for seven women will take hold of one man in that day saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. The women, God's showing us how desperate they are. They will do anything to get a man. They don't even care how many other women he has. They're just begging. God's saying that when women go bad with all of their immorality, With all the sexual sin and excessive adornment, the worship of herself is reflected in the lack of good men. A woman's immorality has a direct effect on our men. And God's judgment here is that not only does God take away our beauty, not only does he bring shame and humiliation, but he takes away our men. Now back to that part three of Ezekiel. And next week, we're going to see the parallel to this restoration from Isaiah chapter 4. But in part three of Ezekiel, while I'm almost done, God promises restoration, but he requires repentance. Verse 53. Nevertheless, I will restore their captivity, the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, and along with them, your own captivity, in order that you may bear your humiliation and feel ashamed for all that you have done when you become a consolation to them. You know, it's good for us, to bear humiliation, and to feel ashamed of our sin. That's a good thing. This world has counseled us otherwise. It's counseled us to display our sin like Sodom. And so many pastors and Christian counselors have coddled us and excused our sin. And, and, But what we really need, according to God's Word, is to face it and call it what God calls it. That's what it means in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John, it's written to believers and so he's saying we're still going to sin as believers, but he says we need to confess our sin. Confess just means to call it what God calls it. God calls it sin. We like to say it's not sin. We like to say, well, it was their fault, and I did this because of so-and-so. And what I did wasn't all that bad. No, God wants us to see it in living color and call it what he calls it. So we have to face it, and then we, can, then we fa- uh, uh, confess it, and then we forsake it. We leave it behind and then God is faithful and just to cleanse us. That's what we just read in Ezekiel 16 when he says, I cleansed you. I bought you. I clothed you. I gave you all these things. I saw you dead in your sins and I clothed you. I made you new. I washed you. And now as a believer, walk like you've been washed And God tells us in Corinthians that he wants godly sorrow from us. A godly sorrow leads to repentance. Not the kind of sorrow like, oops, I got caught. Oops, someone saw what I did. Oops, my sin was found out. No, a a, a repentance that comes from within. And then dropping down to verse 58, God says that even though his people have broken the covenant with him, he will not break covenant with them. He says in verse 58, You have borne the penalty of your lewdness and abominations, the Lord declares. For thus says the Lord God, I will also do with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath by breaking the covenant. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your sisters, both your older and your younger, and I will give them to you as daughters, but not because of your covenant. Thus, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord in order that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth anymore because of your humiliation When I have forgiven you for all that you have done, the Lord God declares. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, these last two verses here, you know, people who see their sins as they truly are will be truly ashamed of them. And those who are truly ashamed of their sins will see great reason to endure the consequences, to bear up under it, not to complain against God because they know they have no one to blame but themselves. They bear up because they know that though they suffer the consequences, they are forgiven. I mean, y'all, that's why Jesus came. That's why God redeemed us. That's why God set in motion way back in Genesis when Adam and Eve and us with him sinned against him. He promised the Messiah who would come and take away the sins of the world. God, through Jesus Christ, He's not angry with us anymore because of Christ. He is our peace. It's by his cross that we are reconciled. And it is his gospel that provides the way of forgiveness. I mean, y'all thinking on all this stuff, this awful stuff that we are guilty of, it should cause our hearts to melt in godly sorrow over our sin. And not just to say, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is. We're all sinners. I couldn't help it. Or he made me do it, she made me do it, or everybody does it. No. It should be a godly sorrow. And the more we see the shame of our sin, the more we will see the grace of God. And the more comfort we will find in him. And the more thankful we will be for his grace. We won't be these thankless women. One of the signs of God's judgment is just women who are ungrateful We will be grateful people. We won't always be looking to point out the faults of everybody else and holding things against them. Why? Because God doesn't hold our sin against us. And it's in Him that we find our shelter that gives shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. And that's what Isaiah says in chapter 4, verse 6. And there will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain.
1: The book and the message of Isaiah is still applicable in our lives today. To listen again to today's message in its entirety or to hear the entire series of Shelter of Shade, use the Search the Scriptures app found in the iTunes Store or Google Play Store. You can also visit us online at searchthescriptures.org and click the Women's tab. Mothering from the Heart is a production of Search the Scriptures. Join us again next Friday at the same time with Audrey and remember to always think biblically and mother from the heart.